Welcome to another episode of Random Trek, the podcast where I, your host, Scott McNulty, discuss a random episode of Star Trek with a non-random guest. My guest today is Christina Warren, who I have known forever on the internet uh, and have met a couple of times in person. Christina, thank you for joining me. Scott, thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. So uh, in case there are people out there who are unfamiliar with you, could you tell them how they might know you? I go by film underscore girl on most social networks. So if you follow me on Twitter, if you are on the Twitters, that's who I am. And I'm the senior tech analyst at Mashable, which is a, a media company where we write about basically everything at this point. We're kind of a general news site, but I'm our senior tech analyst. So I cover a lot of our technology stuff. I cover a lot of our Apple stuff and uh, security and, and things that I find interesting and, you know, uh, kind of a cross between punditry um, and, and news analysis. And we met many, many years ago when you started writing for the unofficial Apple web blog. We did, and you were the editor-in-chief then, and um, were one of the people who, uh, who hired me. I, I applied for, for a blogging job. It was one of my first writing jobs, and uh, yes. I take all the credit for your success in your career. As you should, as you should, <laughs> frankly. And I, I expect uh, some kind of tithe to be sent to me at some point. <laughs> so I hope you've factored that into your finances. So. <laughs> So let's talk about Star Trek. Enough about you owing me money. Uh, <laughs> what would would you call yourself a Star Trek fan? I'm a fan. I'm not like a hardcore fan. Like I'm a hardcore Simpsons fan. I'm like hardcore mm-hmm. fans of certain things. I'm like I'm not really into like the the the, the Trekky Trekker like fandom. But I'm a fan. You know, I, I enjoy the original series. I enjoyed Next Generation. Um, I enjoy the the new films. Some of the older films. Um, I'm not really the only two series I do are original series and next generation. I don't do any of the other ones. They basically after next generation went off the air, I was like, okay, I'm done with the TV shows. Um, although I've heard some of the cartoons are good, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not like, again, I'm not, wouldn't call myself a hardcore fan, but I'm a fan. Well, that's good. So if you only watch the original series and the next generation, then it makes it, this question should be fairly easy to answer. Which series would you consider your favorite? Oh, but see, that's still hard because, I mean, like on the one hand, like the original series has so much going for it and it has really good writing and really good acting and had a lot of interesting parallels for the time that it was made and was really like groundbreaking television in a lot of ways. And, and you've got some really great characters. But then I think that from a storytelling arc and from kind of a quality standpoint, I really think that some of the best stuff is in Next Generation. So it's it's a weird kind of mix. I guess I would ha- if I had to pick, I would probably go Next Generation. But there's something about the original series that's just really special. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who have watched the original series uh, now and maybe not have uh, a grounding in the history and the, the, the kind of cultural context of it find it to be an odd show, uh, mostly because, well, there uh, are a few things, right? The episodes are longer because the, yes. the commercial breaks were shorter. Uh, they also were... Uh, let's say the plotting is quite the pacing is quite different. <laughs> yes. Well, no. I mean, well, right. I mean, even the pacing of of uh, Next Generation, like the episode we're going to talk about. If you were to do that show today, like if it was to be an episode of Doctor Who or something like that, it would be paced much differently. Things would move, move much more mm-hmm. quickly. You know, you'd probably be able to get a lot of the first couple of you know acts done really, really quickly. You know, just move through stuff. But especially with the original series stuff, really, you know, the the, the pacing, as you said, the pl- the plotting is is much much slower. Yes, they just they have a what about maybe six additional minutes, and they luxuriate in the additional <laughs> time that they have. They kind of meander. Uh, so for uh, 
someone who's watching TV, like a, a contemporary TV viewer, uh, they may uh, not at first not like uh, Star Trek, uh, the original series, because of that, and also because, let's face it, uh, considered by today's standards, it's incredibly sexist. Uh, by the '60s standard, though, incredibly very progressive. Yes, exactly. Well, that's well, right, which I find really interesting. And as someone who's kind of a student of television history and media criticism and media history, and I love that stuff. That's one of the the interesting things I find about it. Is yes, it's very sexist, but at the time, it was very groundbreaking, and they were doing a lot of these things that was like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this on television. Um, and so when viewed through that lens, it, it, it's really interesting to kind of see where, where it shapes up. The episode we're talking about today is from The Next Generation. And in fact, maybe perhaps not the best episode of The Next Generation, but I would wager the most famous Next Generation episode, uh, probably the most quoted, uh, if you discount perhaps the Borg, um, mm. uh, Darmok is the episode, you know, Darmok and Jalada Tanagra, uh, the episode wherein we meet aliens who speak only in metaphor, I guess, <laughs> uh, which is, is a strange concept, but that that's the episode we're talking about. Now, do you have strong feelings about this episode before we get into it? Uh, because this is kind of one of these essential next generation episodes. Yeah, no, it is, and 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 I was familiar with it before, and I watched it twice to get ready for this, and and I remember when I first saw this, I guess in, through reruns or or whatever back in the day, really really liking it, and and I'm not a hardcore enough fan to know that this is considered like one of the best episodes, but even as a, a more passive you know casual fan, this one stood out to me as being a really good episode, and and having a lot of really interesting, ironically enough, metaphors for a lot of. <laughs> different things it's true and it's one of those rare episodes uh, in star trek i mean they overcome the whole alien speaking different languages with the universal translator uh and so the universal translator works because you can understand what they're the words you understand the words but you don't know what they are saying you don't understand the meaning behind the words because they speak in metaphors so that makes it a little more interesting and it also has echoes of a bunch of other episodes that uh, I'll jump into. And it also has a couple of interesting guest stars, uh, yes. which we could talk about. The main one being the captain uh, that um, Kent Picard uh, meets, uh, who is Paul Minifield, who uh, played uh, a captain in Star Trek II. Uh, so that's very exciting. So he's Captain Dathan in this, and he played – what is his character's name in Star Trek II? This is something I should know as a host, but – Captain Clark Terrell, who uh, sadly dies in Star Trek II. Spoiler alert. <laughs> he doesn't make it. Also, for this episode, spoiler alert, he doesn't make it. He dies. In every episode of Star Trek he shows up in, he dies. This episode, it starts with uh, the uh, Enterprise is on a mission specifically to establish communications with these aliens called the Temerians. Um, there have been apparently several previous attempts to uh, communicate with these folks and um, I guess establish a relationship with the the Federation and uh, the Temerians, and for some reason, both Captain Picard and Riker seem to have no idea why that these uh, things failed. Uh, although you would think that people would have taken copious notes about, well, we can't understand their language, but nobody knows. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was kind of what was the interesting thing to me. I'm like, okay, we've got all this advanced technology, and you guys are usually good at this stuff. You've had seven attempts before to talk to them, and it's failed. Why has there not been any like notes about? some of the things they've said, or why is no one else run pattern recognition stuff? I was 
I don't know. It, it, it is strange. Uh, and then, so they're trying to talk to these Tamarians over the view screen. Uh, they, Captain Picard is like, uh, he, he started, it is clear that they're going to have difficulty communicating. So Captain Picard thinks, why don't I just bring up a non-aggression pact and trade agreements right off the bat? <laughs> It's an easy way to start the conversation. It's like, I have no idea what you're saying, but I'm just going to go ahead and speak English and say what I what I think in really complex terms. Um, and, and we're going to go from there. I'm just going to expect that you know non-aggression and trade pact. Right, let's just hope. And he does kind of speak slightly louder than he normally does. He does. It, it's very much like when you're when you're speaking to, uh, like, you know, someone that, that speaks another language and you immediately start enunciating, both talking down to them and talking, like, louder. It's one of those interesting things. Like, you're a small child and you're deaf. <laughs> I will talk slowly. Uh, it doesn't work, sadly. Uh, the the Tamarian captain has a, a seemingly has an argument with his first officer. We can assume, uh, which led me to think about view screen etiquette, because they're having this argument, and then Riker and Picard are talking about the aliens. I mean, and granted, neither of them can understand the other, but you would think that maybe they would you know turn off their view screen, stop transmitting when they're having these uh, conversations. But they don't. They're just watching each other talk to each other. Right. I mean, I think at that point, it's one of those things where, like, look, we're having a conference where neither of us is sure what's going on. Who do I have to be polite for? You know? <laughs> well, I guess that's true. It just reminds me of all those annoying conference calls I'm on where the person forgets to mute themselves and then they have another conversation with someone in their office. Yes. Yes. It, well, you know what? That's exactly what it was. It's that even, you know, however many, you know, thousands of years in the future, um, what happens, you know, in in the future is that we still forget to hit the mute button. That's what <laughs> it is. True. They need a whore there who would remember to mute the view screen, but the, who, the, whatever ensign is on the bridge uh, didn't do it. And so they, they have this conversation. They can't understand each other. The Temerians are arguing. They seem to come to some agreement. Uh, and, oh, my gosh, Captain Picard and Captain Dathan are transported off of their ships. <gasps> we don't know where they went. And uh, end scene. <laughs> also, in this episode, I, I failed to mention Captain Picard is wearing a little jacket for no particular reason <laughs> on the bridge. I guess it's cold on the Enterprise. I don't know. Uh, I just noticed when they have strange uniforms and Captain Picard is all like, Let, <laughs> let's have this my members only jacket just in case. But <laughs> right. luckily, he goes, he's beamed down to this planet where he probably would need a jacket. So it's very helpful. <laughs> uh, all right. So now act one. So they're transported. Uh, the Tamarians start uh, shooting a scattering field around the planet so that no one can beam back up. Uh, Riker is none too pleased about this. Uh, but luckily, sensors can penetrate the scatter- scattering field. So they know Captain Picard and uh, Captain Dathan are okay and are on the planet. They just can't fiddle with anything. Right. Which, you know, I guess we, these aliens are mysterious, so we don't know what they're doing. But... Uh, no, I mean, and that, that that becomes an interesting thing, too, though, right? It's like they, they can't penetrate this place, but they can still measure, you know, the, the life signs and, and, and get a sense of everything that's happening. So, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those interesting things. It's like we can't watch and see exactly what's happening, but we have sensors, I guess, kind of like what we'll be getting on the new Apple Watch. We have <laughs> sensors that are letting us know what's happening at all times, and then it's letting us know on our dashboards. Okay, all right. He's still breathing. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's kind of aggressive. But it's also kind of like, well, yeah, we know he's alive. So, uh, and so this, 
has shades of another famous original series episode, Arena, especially later uh, when we find out there's a mysterious alien on the planet. But we'll get to that later. Uh, and so they're on the planet. Picard and Dathan are there. They're trying to talk to one another, uh, failing miserably, really. Uh, Dathan hands, uh, has two knives, and so Picard is like, I'm not going to fight you. Uh, and uh, Dathan is like, I, I, well, we don't know what he's saying. He's saying some metaphors. But it's clear he doesn't really want to fight Captain Picard, but he wants to give Captain Picard this knife for some right, reason. Right, he wants to give him the knife. It almost seems like even like watching like the first time, you're like, just take the knife, Picard. He's trying to be kind. <laughs> Picard's like, no, I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to spur your gift. <laughs> exactly. Leave me alone. I don't want to. Yeah, Picard seems to think probably because he's read about Captain Kirk uh, in Arena fighting the Gorn, that what happens when you beam down to a planet with a, an, uh, an alien is that you will fight each other to the death. Um, but that's not what is happening here. Dathan just wants to give him a knife. I don't know why, right. but... Well, I do know why. Well, we do know why, but we'll, 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 we'll discuss that in a few minutes. Yes, and so uh, the, he, Picard is very frustrated Dathan also frustrated that Picard does not understand what he's trying to do. And night falls. Dathan makes a, a roaring campfire. Captain Picard's attempts are failing at making uh, a fire. Uh, and so Dathan picks up a branch and gives some fire to Captain Picard to kind of um, cement that they, have, they should have a trusting open relationship. Uh, it's a nice scene, too, because he's, like, trying to go to sleep. Dathan's trying to go to sleep and kind of ignore Picard. Mm -hmm. And Picard's standing over there. He's shivering, and he's very upset. And you can see him looking over the fire, and part of him's probably thinking, should I just go over there and steal some of that guy's fire? <laughs> but he's not going to. And Dathan is, you know, putting some of his um, things, you know, on some rocks. And finally, he just sighs and gets up and, and walks over some fire to Picard. Yes, and I like the scene where Dathan was, like, taking off these ornaments on his... Um, yes. Uh, uniform and touching them to his head it's kind of a very it's a obviously a ritual but it's an alien thing so it's nice to get i always like it when because so often in star trek you get aliens that aren't really aliens except they have you know they have like a little weird thing on their head or something but they're just humans and they act like humans so it's nice to see aliens that you can't communicate with and who have kind of weird things that they do very very true and yeah you're right because that is pretty rare and so that's nice Yes, and so this is, uh, uh, Dathan says, Temba his wa arms wide as he gives Captain Picard the fire, and Captain Picard's like, oh, that means that you're giving me something. <laughs> very, very clever, Captain Picard. <laughs> uh, but he doesn't know what Temba is. And then we're back onto the Enterprise, and Captain, not Captain, uh, Riker, who is not Captain yet, because no. Picard is alive, <laughs> uh, is very upset about this whole thing. He he's wants, upset pretty much the entire episode. He's, he's, he's pretty cranky. He's cranky the entire episode. He needs a chill pill, that Riker. He does, or a nap. Yes, maybe, you know. Well, you know, his captain has been kidnapped, so... That's true, but even before the whole kidnapping, he seemed like, you know... He, he, he wasn't he feeling had, like, this mission. No, he had, no, he really wasn't. He had, like, a, a hair trigger. He was like, just give me the sign, guys, and I'm just going to start shooting these guys. <laughs> That's right. I, if I can't talk to it, I want to shoot it. Is what Riker says. He doesn't say that, but he, he, he telegraphs <laughs> it's, it. It's implied. It is implied. So he's upset. He's like, we need to get Captain Picard back. Gosh darn it. Uh, so he says, hey, Worf, take a shuttlecraft, uh, go down to the surface and bring Captain Picard up. Uh, and Worf is like, okay. <laughs> and so he does. And uh, as he's approaching the, uh, I guess, the ionosphere or something of the planet, uh, the Temerian vessel fires on Worf. And you think, oh, no, Worf is going to die. Uh, but he doesn't. They just have disabled 
part of the shuttle craft so that it is impossible. He could land, but he wouldn't be able to get back off the planet. So Riker says, all right, come back to the Enterprise and we'll figure something else out. Uh, and so that's what he does. Uh, so that was exciting. And then Riker gets even angrier. And we and here's another here's another question I have for this episode because now we have a scene with Data and Troy. Yes. Uh, and they're hanging out in a lab or something. I don't know where they are, but they're trying to figure out based on the what the Tamarians have said so far. They're asking Siri for help is what they're really doing. <laughs> it's true. But they're doing it in such a poor way. <laughs> yes. So basically they query the computer and they're like uh like Google, Google now, tell me. <laughs> exactly. Tell me what does, uh, I f- even forget what they're looking at. Like they have a particular what phrase. What is Darmok? They're asking for Darmok. Oh, yes. Darmok and Jalada Tanagra. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to figure that out. Uh, and so they say, well, what, wh- you know, how many instances of Darmok do you have? And the computer says, oh, I don't know. There are like 20,000 instances across 17. No, it was, it was, it was 43. And, oh. and, she, and they didn't want to go through the 43 of them. That that's was just, too like, that's too many. <laughs> and, but the obvious thing, Here's here's my question, Christina. And maybe this is not obvious, but it, it is Darmok and Jalad. They query Darmok, then they query Jalad separately. <laughs> right. And then, and then they cross-reference the exactly. two. It takes them like uh, 10 minutes to figure out, oh, maybe if we just cross, cross-reference the two, we'll figure out what perhaps Darmok and Jalad means. Uh, and the computer does have an answer. So it does. It's like, well, why Siri isn't the works. universal? Yeah, why isn't the universal translator working then? If it knows what Darmok and Jalad are, <laughs> because Google built it, and Google's only good at like half the things it builds. So uh, it has like a really good infrastructure, but a really bad user interface. It's very reliable. It's very reliable, but you you've got to go through. It. But you've got to go through like sixteen hoops to get it to work the way you want. But you will get it to work, but you've got to go, go through like six different layers. You got to do the work. It is interesting, though, like looking at how they were interacting with the computer, which is so funny because, you know, this episode was done, I guess, in 1991. Mm-hmm. This is before um, uh, the, the, well, the World Wide Web, I guess, had technically come out, but it was there, there weren't any like graphical web browsers and certainly there were no search engines and, and those sorts of query things, although you had databases and you had, you know, things you, you could search for and whatnot. But it is interesting in retrospect to look back on it and see how similar their queries with their natural language stuff is to a lot of the semantic web problems that we're trying to kind of solve today. I thought that was kind of an interesting parallel to like see them communicate that way and think, actually, you know, that's the whole nut that everybody's kind of trying to crack right now with you know, Siri and Google Now and some in Cortana and other things is uh, Wikipedia even, you know, Wolfram Alpha. It's, it's all about kind of putting that stuff all at your fingertips. And, and I think that this also shows, like the original series, uh, I think a lot of the people who are working on these problems are, and I'm going to, you know, just stereotype, Star Trek fans. Yes. <laughs> and they are kind of, they want what they saw on Star Trek to be a reality. Yes, so it it's does, an interesting it, it, kind of cycle. Well, it does, because it comes to the ultimate question, which is, did, you know, did technology evolve because of the entertainment medium or did the entertainment medium, you know, did it predict the future or did the future come about because of what was predicated by the media you know how, how how did that all come about exactly or was it just the natural way that this was all going to evolve anyway i just want a food replicator is that so is that hard is transforming matter into other matter that difficult people come on <laughs> where's my jetpack exactly where's my flying car damn it uh but yeah it, it's always interesting to see like the wacky things that happen on Star Trek and then the the technological uh, stuff that people have come up with that kind of replicate it, like, you know, tricorders and communicators yes. and all that kind of stuff. iPads. iPads, certainly uh, a great example. Like those Bluetooth headsets. Uhura yes. had one of those in the 60s. <laughs> she did. 
hers was very stylish. It was. It was more stylish than the ones we've got now. <laughs> it is true. Uh, and she didn't look like an idiot with it in her. No, that's the whole thing. It's like, it's like if, if they looked like that, everybody wouldn't be like, you douchebag. Stop wearing a, <laughs> stop wearing a, a Bluetooth headset. You look like a douchebag. Be it's like, true. oh, you look hot. Yes, sadly. It's not to be. <laughs> Uh, so, so uh, Data and Troy, with their helpful Googling, figure out, oh, this language is all based on metaphors and mythology. And that's why we've had such a difficult time understanding them, because we don't understand their mythology. So we could, but technically we understand what they're saying. But right. we don't really know what they're saying. But we don't understand the context of what it means. So exactly. we can understand the words, but we don't get the context. And what's interesting about this is that they don't get the context, and they, it took them all this time to figure this out. They had to go to the computer. But Picard was able to figure this out just on his own because he's just that smart. Well, you don't get to be a Starfleet captain by being a dummy. That's, this is very clearly true. <laughs> and so speaking of Picard oh, – well, actually, that, I was going to skip a, a part, but I don't want to. So Riker – Still very angry. He wants to get Picard back. So he says, hey, Geordi, you got to figure out a way to beam Captain Picard through this scattering field. Uh, and Geordi's like, okay, let me just uh, throw a string of technobabble and maybe in a couple hours we can figure something out. And this is where the other exciting uh, celebrity sighting happens in this episode because we have uh, Geordi and Ensign Leffler uh, are working on the transporter problem. And Ensign Robin Leffler may be familiar to some people as uh ashley judd yes i was so excited when i saw this because i'm a huge <laughs> ashley judd fan i won't even pretend to lie like i think she's great and uh she's very smart and it's it's very funny because it kind of comes out of nowhere and she looks she's so young i guess this was right around the time she started acting and i guess she got sisters not too long after this and uh yes she's got a very small role has only a couple of lines but that is Ashley Judd, future Academy Award nominee. That's right. And she comes back in another episode of Star Trek, The Game, uh, where she has a much larger role. So I guess she, she made a good impression on uh, the folks then. Uh, hopefully I have the order right, but I'm assuming that she had a small part and then the game came out. Yes, that's, that's, that's correct. There's, I looked that up no earlier. There's no way for me to verify this. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. Uh, yes, I just verified it. In fact, the game is another season five episode. Uh, it's only four episodes after this one. So there you go. She, uh, they liked her so much. They, they liked her so much. They were like, you know what? Good job. Come back in. We'll, we'll give you another part. You've got a future kid in showbiz. I imagine some 1930s director telling her. <laughs> and I, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, and even though you know, she was using her real name, you know, Judd, I, I, something tells me that, that the that the Judds didn't carry a lot of weight with the Star Trek casting agents. <laughs> uh, they probably well, didn't know, care I don't know who where that was. Venn diagram of Judd I, I, influence and Star Trek casting director, how, where it meets. But I, I, I think it's probably fairly small. So I'm thinking they're probably like, yeah, it's great. Your, your, your mom and your sister are famous, but we don't really care. <laughs> Our audience doesn't really listen to, your, to, to their music. So you got to try it like everyone else. But it helps that she, she was pretty and, and she did a good job in the, the next episode. And she's it's a very small part in this one, but she she's good. She's very competent. She she holds her own with uh, LaForge. So good on you, Ashley Judd, because I'm sure you're listening to this episode. I'm positive, because why wouldn't she be? <laughs> because I, I'll, I'll say, I'll mention Ashley Judd in the episode description, and one assumes she has a Google alert that will lead her. That's exactly episode. what it'll be. So Ashley Judd, this is why your Google alert is going off, because Random Trek is talking about you. <laughs> That's right. And if you would like to appear on an episode of Random Trek, yes, just uh, tweet yes. me. Uh, blank baby. You, you'll find me. <laughs> anyway. Uh, now that I'm done pandering to celebrities, <laughs> we, uh, 
we can go back to the su- surface <laughs> we can go back of the, to the episode. Yes, back to the episode. Uh, back on the surface of the planet, we've got uh, Dathan and Picard. Uh, Picard wakes up. It's the morning. Dathan is gone. And Picard is, is not that concerned, but he takes the opportunity to creep over to yes. Dathan's campsite and rifle through his belongings. Yes, rifle through his I wonder where my friend has gone now. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me uh, steal his diary. <laughs> now, then, steal his diary and look through his medicine cabinets. <laughs> and so, see if he's got any oxy. What's going on? See what's, what there. There Is must he be. Uh, these guys are high as kites because uh, <laughs> this language of theirs is crazy. So, <laughs> see if uh, I can if it affects human physiology in the same way. Uh, so, Captain Picard picks up this. Uh, well, he he paws. Um, Dathan's ornaments that he had set up carefully, which seemed a little rude to me because it was clear that those had some kind of spiritual or religious meaning. Yes. Uh, and he shouldn't be touching them, but he does anyway. Uh, and then he picks up the notebook, which I think makes sense to pick it up because he could theoretically figure something out. Uh, he is stuck on a planet with this guy, so maybe he wants to see what's going on. Uh, sadly, he can make neither head nor tails of the writing that's in that book. Uh, although, from a kind of a, a production way, the the writing was very interesting and quite alien. So, yes. good on the, the whoever came up with that, the prop guy. Good job, prop guy. <laughs> uh, but they still can't understand each other. Uh, Dathan comes back uh, and they can't, can't understand each other. He tries to give Picard a knife again. Picard's like, no, I don't want your stupid knife. Uh, we're not going to fight, damn it. Uh, although I, I thought suppose. we were friends. <laughs> exactly. Although he, they are having a fight because Picard's yelling at him. <laughs> um, then they hear a loud roar in the distance and Picard realizes that there's something else on this planet. Yes. <gasps> we don't know what yet. We don't know what, but we know what's bad. It's not good. Uh, and back on the Enterprise, Worf is scanning the planet as he should be. And he detects a weird signature from the planet near Captain Picard and Dathan. And so uh, Riker's like, ah, we've got to beam him up, Geordi. Uh And Geordi and LaForge, uh, no, Geordi and LaForge, the same person, LaForge, <laughs> uh, Leafler, and Chief O'Brien, who makes an appearance in this episode. Hooray, Chief O'Brien. Uh, Yay! Yeah, they, they're almost ready because uh, you have to keep the, the suspense. It's very close to being ready, but they're not quite there yet for the beaming. So uh, Riker basically says, "Work harder." <laughs> it's a it's a great. Like, this isn't good speech. enough. This is, I don't want to hear this. Get it done. Yes, I don't want excuses. <laughs> um, and uh, so Picard back on the planet. Picard finally takes the knife. Yes, Dathan, he's like, "Fine, just give me the damn thing." I will take it because there's a loud, scary roar. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like it finally dawns on him. Oh, you don't want to fight me. You want me to help you fight this other thing. Exactly. You have, as if you have beamed us down to this planet in order to build a relationship by using teamwork to overcome some sort of adversary together, perhaps. Oh, you just, you just gave off a great metaphor, Scott. <laughs> oh, th- you know, I am fluent in Tamarian, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, it comes in handy. We are such nerds. <laughs> uh, and so... This creature appears, which is a kind of a cool-looking uh, creature. Uh, well, actually, I skipped over part. So Dathan wants to is kind of convinces Picard using a bunch of metaphors about uh, an army and arms, uh, hands open and hands closed, uh, that they they need to get ready to fight somebody. So Picard strings it together. He's like, okay, something's gonna happen. 
Uh, and in fact, something does happen because this weird kind of out of phase uh, alien appears and attacks Dathan. Uh, and finally, because like, oh, that's uh, what we're doing. <laughs> we're trying to fight this thing. Uh, and so the creature attacks Dathan, knocks him on the ground. Picard leaps on his back, uh, but he gets struck back. Yes. Uh, and then uh, the creature ignores Picard, turns to Dathan to, to do the coup de grace, one imagines. Uh, and Picard's about to get up, but... But just then, just <gasps> then... What happens? He's transported back to the Enterprise. Kind uh, of. Kind of, yes. Enough he's stuck that... stuck in a holding power. He, it's, it, enough that he can't move, and he's watching his new friend get annihilated by this thing. Exactly. And he's, like, stuck. It's like the signal's being crossed. They don't have enough power. I can't do it, Captain. I can't bring him back. <laughs> you're you're crossing your series. Enough. I am crossing my series, but, but it's funny. Uh, and, and, yeah, so they fail at beaming up Picard, but they succeed in interrupting, uh, in, in basically neutralizing Picard, and uh, the alien, the phasing monster alien, beats up Dathan, uh, and then runs off. Uh, and so and then Picard is once again back on the planet because they can't beam him up. Uh, the Now the Temerians are, are upset, I guess, that they tried to beam Picard back up, so they basically increase the intensity of their scattering field, uh, making transport impossible. And now Riker's like, we need to get Captain Picard back. Dathan's life signs are fluctuating. Who knows what could happen to Captain Picard? Um, but, uh, and so then someone posits, well, you know, the Temerian, I think maybe Data says this, the Temerians know what's happening down there with Captain, with their captain who seems to be dying. Uh, so clear, and they're not doing anything. So clearly they must be doing this on purpose. This must be something, some significance in this. Uh, captain, uh, Riker, not too uh, impressed with this, but <laughs> he's he's cranky Riker, as we have uh, already pointed out. He he doesn't want to hear any of it. He just wants, give me back my captain. Uh, and so, back on the planet, Picard is sitting next to basically Dathan, who is dying. Uh, yes. And so now Picard wants to, you know, he's trying to figure out, well, tell me more about this Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Uh, and it is clear at this point that uh, they are, well, one of them is Darmok, one of them is Jalad, and they, the planet they are on is the metaphorical Tanagra. The island, Exactly. Yes. And they have sailed on a boat, they came separately, uh, they arrived together, they fought a great beast, uh, and then they left. They left together. Together. So, exactly. So the metaphor is that they would, as I said earlier, fight this alien together, form a friendship, and then they would have, you know... Everything would be happy. Uh, they perhaps could not communicate, but at least they would have this bond that would then help them through their negotiations and trying to understand one another. Unfortunately, uh, I guess Dathan did not think that uh, Captain Picard would fail in helping him defeat this creature, because that's basically what happens. Right. <laughs> and so, and so, so but, but, but at this point, uh, uh, Picard is, is learning the, the intricacies of the grammar and the language and is getting more insights and and then the, the, the Dathan's like, well, you, you, now you tell me a story. It's your turn, Picard. Although he doesn't say that. But <laughs> uh, and so Picard says, well, he, he plucks out the first uh, mythological story that anyone would pluck out. Of course. Uh, which it's is the first one that came to my mind. Uh, sure. Gilgamesh is always at the top of my mind. Uh, although Homer it, who? 
<laughs> it, it's uh, I was perplexed by picking Gilgamesh, um, but it makes sense with Captain Picard's character because he's had. It's been long established that he's interested in archaeology, uh, and so he would be thinking about these ancient things. Uh, and plus, Gilgamesh is fun to say. So, <laughs> good, it good is on the Gilgamesh. It, it, it is fun to say. It, it yes. <laughs> It reminds me of Gargamel, and, and I enjoy saying that as well. Well, see, there you go. He, uh, Picard could have told them the story of Gargamel and the Smurfs, because that see, was hundreds of years in the past. It, then, it too. was. It was. See, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they could have had that little song. It would have been great. It would have been great, but it also would have been a different sort of thing. It, it may have changed the mood of the scene a little bit. It might have, because then instead of ending on kind of a somber, like, like yes, it kind is of clear. heady note. Yeah, you know, Dathan is dying. Picard wants to tell him this story. And if he started uh, doing la 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 la, it may have undermined that scene. But maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a screenwriter. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> so he tells him the story. Uh, and then... Dathan dies. <laughs> Just as, as in the story. That is how it works in the story. We fought together. We were exactly. friends. And then we fought together, and one of my friends died, and I had to leave my friend. Yeah, and so Dathan is dead. Everybody's sad. Well, only two... I guess the Temerians, everybody on the ship knows that Dathan's dead, too. They don't seem too sad, but... Uh, they're they're more concerned because at this point they're not really they don't know that it's been a friendly thing so they're right. just like hey at least Picard's alive that's right Woo-hoo. Uh, whoever Our guy bet won. on Picard wins in the the office pause exactly uh, and so now Riker has had enough he's like uh, Jordy have you figured out how to get the captain back and Jordy's like yes uh, we'll shoot at them. <laughs> <laughs> and Riker's like, oh, I should have thought of shooting at them before. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then he's like, wait a minute, didn't I even suggest this before? But now they're just like, okay, fine. Yeah, well, Whatever, we, we did the work, back. Riker. You just wanted to shoot indiscriminately. We know that, where okay, to shoot. Okay, fair enough. That That is actually the, the difference. It is. is that Riker, Riker wanted to shoot indiscriminately, and, and, and Jordy's like, no, actually. If we do one phaser hit right at the specific point, the scattering right. field will we can do collapse. It. And that's what they do. They shoot the generator. It shorts out, uh, one assumes, Chief O'Brien, the hero of the story, really, beams Captain Picard back up uh, just as the uh, creature is once again attacking Picard. And Picard is, uh, he's no Kirk when it comes to fisticuffs. Let's, no, let's just he's not. That. So, I mean, they, they hit it just the right time, and then the creature is left being like, what? It's like, uh, WTF? <laughs> Where's exactly. my delicious meal? Although I guess he could eat Dathan because we never know if they bring Dathan <laughs> back up or not. That. Yeah, I just I think that they just leave him there. So he's like, well, you know, snacks to the road. That's right. You know, well, I missed one, but at least there's another one here. <laughs> and so Captain Card is back on the bridge. Uh, well, actually, he's back on the Enterprise. The Tamarians are not pleased that the Enterprise has shot them, so they do the obvious and shoot back. And now it seems now that. The Temerians, it, it is clear why the Federation wants to have a relationship with the Temerians, because they seem to have much more effective technology. <laughs> yes. Because they, like, knock out the she- Enterprise's shields in, like, two seconds. <laughs> like, two seconds. And they're shooting. They're like, come on. Exactly. Let's fight. Let's, uh, let's bring it on, they say in a metaphor. <laughs> um, uh, Captain Picard rushes to the bridge, and he is now... Uh, based on, I assume, language lessons we did not see, uh, fairly fluent in Tamarian as well. Uh, and he says a bunch of uh, metaphors 
the Temerians know that he is talking about, uh, I assume he's describing what happened on the planet, uh, that Dathan has died, but they formed a friendship before he died. Uh, and the Temerians seem happy. Well, not happy, but they take that. They take that. They're at least pleased with that. At first, they were hopeful that maybe he's still alive. Then they're like, no, okay, no, he's he's gone. So it's like they have like stronger like technology to get rid of the fields, but they don't have their sensors are not as good. They don't have the they don't have the Apple Watch stuff to be able to like <laughs> see what's alive and what's not. Well, they're on the they pre-ordered it, but uh, they didn't want to stay up. They didn't want to stay up. That's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. So they're like waiting for like the extra six weeks that just didn't arrive yet. Exactly. But now they're 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 pretty they're excited. Not excited, but they're they're at least saying, okay, you know, you tried. Um, and they, they seem impressed that Picard is speaking to them in their language. Yes, they are quite impressed about that. As uh, is Data, I might add. Data looks a little jealous. It's true. I mean, which I know he's not supposed to have emotions, but like he looks a bit like jealous. He's like, what? <laughs> How could I'm you the smart one. Exactly. How could you figure this out? I couldn't do it. How could you? And I had the How computer. dare you? And, I have and a computer. Deanna Troy. <laughs> exactly. And we couldn't figure it out. Uh, and this is Picard utters the uh, a phrase that they have been saying often, uh, Shaka when the walls fell, uh, which means failure. And that's when uh, the Temerians know, oh, no, Dathan is dead. Uh, but we are friends now, apparently. Uh, and I guess what will happen is Picard will teach everybody else how to speak Temerian and they'll have some kind of uh, peace accord. But that's never mentioned. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And in fact, I mean, it's kind of unclear at that point. It's like, are they our friends? I don't know. But now now Picard has entered the Temerian language because a phrase Picard and Dathan at Eladril, which is the planet they were on, yes. means, I guess, that you have a friendship despite one of them dying. One has made the ultimate sacrifice to secure your friendship. It's unclear what the metaphor is, but it has entered the language. It has. I guess it's the metaphor for the, uh, for, for the tale that, that, that Picard was telling he was, Dathan. He was trying to, yes, the, together... Uh, they defeated the enemy, but sadly, one of them uh, dies. And uh, he says, oh, by the way, I stole uh, Dathan's notebook. And they beam that back. And he says, oh, I also have Dathan's knife if you want it back. And the the first officer, who I guess is now the captain, says, no, you keep it. No, you keep it. You keep it as a memento of uh, the dead guy you spent two days with. That's right. Remember him always as that guy you really couldn't understand and who died because you couldn't help him. <laughs> And uh, they fly off, uh, and uh, Riker, uh, Picard goes back to his ready room, Riker comes in, uh, finds that he's reading Homeric hymns, and says, uh, hey, Picard, why are you spending time reading this old crap, basically? And Picard says, well, the Temerians made me think about the deep metaphors that our own culture is based on, because we, everyone apparently in the future is uh, based in Western culture. So uh, I am learning Homeric myths again to, to, fig- to reconnect with our own past. Um, and uh, it actually, the end shot, Riker's like, okay, thanks, whatever. Riker's not <laughs> a deep thinker, and he leaves. No. Uh, I like Riker, but uh, he's I a man too, of action, not a Homeric myths kind of guy. Not really into it. No. Uh, and so the, it, I like the way the episode ends. It ends with Picard picks up the knife, walks over to his uh, viewport window thing, uh, and then the shot, uh, we get an exterior shot of him kind of looking out thoughtfully, and it kind of pulls away. And then the episode's over, uh, which I thought was a great ending. Yes. Because it shows, you know, Captain Picard's con- con- contemplating uh, what has happened, and he's remembering Dathan, and uh, there you go. And that's the end of the episode. So, Christina... Now that you you didn't know that this is this is like one of the 
most highly regarded episodes of The Next Generation. Uh, but you mentioned that you enjoyed it when you watched it. So, so what are your thoughts on it? But, you know, I was thinking a lot about it kind of in the, the current context of Internet communications and the way we talk now and how, you know, we all talk to one another and like emoji and these other types of languages that are kind of pitches and other things and how it really does kind of, you know, it, it becomes important to know your past and um, it, it have insight into talking to others. And I don't know, I, 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 I liked the episode a lot. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really good episode and it deserves its reputation. And I think it's interesting. I hadn't thought about um, the emoji uh, connection because uh, I, I just hadn't thought about it. But it is true that I use – I text – I never thought that I would be one of those people who texts emojis to their significant other uh, yes. nonstop. Uh, totally. And you have things. a full conversation <laughs> exactly. in emoji. But I am. I'm totally an emoji abuser. <laughs> right? And it's so interesting how that's honestly like it's it's becoming a new pigeon because it's this new communication method, but it's also kind of, you know, you do it with your significant other and you have the context. But if you're communicating with somebody who's maybe also, um, uh, you know, well-versed in emoji, but maybe not in the same way you are, exactly. you know, it takes a little bit of time to get to know what everybody means and how everybody uses them the same way. Exactly. Like I may text you uh, a happy face and the smiling poop and uh, think that you know what I mean, but you might right. be quite insulted. But I might be insulted and be like, why are you telling me to smile at poop? <laughs> like this, this makes no sense. But when, um, you just don't know the deep con- context that I, don't I know bring the deep to that. Context, exactly. <laughs> because or, my or, or, or I'll send you, you know, a, a pizza and, and and a poop, and 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 you know, I mean, there's a piece of shit. But you think that I'm just telling you that your pizza, the 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 pizza that you made, tastes bad. And then I would be deeply, deeply, it, deeply offended. offended. And I'm just going, no, no, I'm just saying. I would go know. all Riker on you. <laughs> you would go all Riker on me, exactly. <laughs> Well, yes, I think that this is one of those episodes that deserves its place in uh, the, the pantheon of fine Star Trek episodes, um, even though I know some people have some quibbles with the linguistics of uh, the, the problem that they're facing and that it doesn't really make any sense that the Temerian language really kind of fails as a language uh, because there are some things that you just can't get across in a metaphor. Right, uh, <laughs> which is a fair enough thing to do. But, I mean, come on, you know, I mean, it, it, you can quibble with anything, right? Yes. And it's, a, it's an allegory. It's not... Uh, Precisely. It's not supposed to be, I don't think any of the writers thought, yes, an alien race could, or any culture could have an entire language just based on metaphor. Right. It's like maybe it's largely based on metaphor, but you would have to have other terms or other sorts of things. Um, I, although, you know what, to be, to be fair, I mean, like the way we, we look at like Mandarin languages and, and things like that, um, that, that can be interpreted or translated in a very kind of direct way that mm. with, without a lot of nuance. Um, I think, I guess you can make the same case for, you know, of, of language, if translated directly is only a metaphor. Maybe if you're a native speaker of the tongue, there are nuances that are unclear. Yes. So this episode uh, ponders these questions. The, the very question of what language is and how we interpret it is an interesting thing. And something they don't really talk a lot about in Star Trek because, um, you know, just thinking about this now, the universal translator translates people's what, whatever they're saying from their original language into English, I assume. Um, 
but it could be removing things like you know how many words have different meanings depending on context and you may not really know that so if you're just translating it like google translate for exactly. example uh does a fine job of kind of getting the gist of what something means but you don't get you lose a lot of that context and exactly so the universal translator who knows what kind of horrible diplomatic gaffes have been made because of the universal translator well, Christina, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I hope you had a good time. I had a great time. And a Darmok and Jalad at Tanegra. Scott and Christina on the internet. <laughs> Perfect. Next on Random Trek, The Next Generations, The Chase. <laughs> <laughs>